0: You're listening to Rabot & Co. Here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot.
1: Ah, uh, yes. Getting you through the week here on a Friday. Uh, Cantrell and Co. this week filling in for Louis Rebeau as he's been on uh, vacation, much deserved vacation. He should be back with us next Monday, so it'll be me and him as usual next week. 437 9680 is the UPS jobs text line. Big shout out to James Black for uh, getting behind the glass to make sure that we can get on the air here. Uh, Tanner should be here any minute now, uh, but I am joined by Biscuit, Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull, as they like to say in the intro. Uh, What's this- up, Zach? How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Is this your? Fir- I mean, this isn't your first time, I'm sure, in the 680 studios. But no, it's
2: been a while, hasn't it, Zach? I've 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 been doing this for like seven years. I used to have a regular gig on on in the morning with Diener and and uh, and obviously doing the afternoon with Jason Anderson for years, man. But uh, I've pretty much made the transition all the way over to 93.9, it's been a long time since I've been in this booth.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it hasn't. So does it feel weird being over here on the non-Louisville side right now? Eh. Not really,
2: maybe a little bit. I kind of feel like a pilgrim in an unholy land right now. <laughs> but you know what? That's like I said. It's 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 really like an old. Uh, it's like an old friend sitting in the studio. There I just go. want to let you all know that. Uh, that as we got into the studio, my man Zach Cantrell looked me in the eyes and said, "I'm in the big chair," <laughs> and I was like, "My God, dude! Like it's it's all good." The the size of the ego in this room. I mean, it's 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 rivaling. Jason Ints levels right oh, now. Man. Okay. Well,
1: sorry. I had Entz on yesterday, so you can only imagine. How did, was, how did that go? That <laughs> went pretty well, actually, because we run the uh, UK Fish and Wildlife post game show, so we just got to talk a little bit about that. But you know, Entz, we had to nerd out a little bit about the video game, which I'm sure we'll probably get into. See, a like bit
2: I've later. been, I've like I like I said, I've been doing radio for a long time. and I've done chair one a ton. I did it this week, and 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 I absolutely love doing it, but. I have no problem doing chair two. I like it. Yeah. Because it's less work for me. You know, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind not driving the bus. Uh, it's not an ego thing for me, you know. It's okay, Zach. It so is. It's, you can have it. It's it's fine. <laughs> I know, like you get you get out of the out of the production booth and, and you get you get that big head. You can almost not. I mean, it's it's. <laughs> I hear you, brother. Yeah, we've all been there, my friend. Four, you did a great job this week, brother. Thank, thank you, thank you. Four three seven
1: nine six eight a UPS jobs text line. Make sure to keep those texts coming. The text line's been great throughout the week. Uh, let's keep it going. Let's get you through one more Friday. We've got a big block of programming today. We got the V show, of course, following us from twelve to three, and then at Third and Market on Bear Nose, and yes, we will have a Bear Nose Pizza dropping by the studio later. But uh, James Striebel, and uh, I think he's got Godby on today, so they'll be down at Third and Market at the Baranos location. So make sure you stop by and say hi to those guys. Uh, but they will take you home from three to six with the round table, and of course, the mixtape around five thirty. And you know, I'm sure both of us will be prominently featured in the mixtape
2: like <laughs> usual. <laughs> we'll see, man. I don't know. I think I think Spencer forgets to cut the drive half the time for the mixtape and, and yeah, i'm sure you guys thank him for there. that <laughs> <laughs> he had a banger himself uh the other day that i don't think he'll he'll cut you know oh, like, man, you got to do it yeah you got to do it you got you got to you got to sacrifice yourself what'd he say i don't remember it'll oh. come to, it'll come to me because it was really it was solid okay. it was solid it wasn't like a completely taken out of context you know like two word drop no it was a full sentence oh there you go that was an absolute banger i'm going to have to go find it okay yeah
1: now i'm intrigued now there we got to go. go figure it out that that's what we're doing here for the no i'm just kidding
2: <laughs> For like hour and a half there we go we're just sitting here for
1: an hour and a half trying to figure it out uh so let's just go ahead and you know let's i don't know get it over with the right word or right terminology but we got to talk about the cards and i know of course you guys talk about this all the time over on the drive yeah. 93.9 the Ville. that's from 3 to 6 by the way make sure you check those guys out they do a great job as well But I think KP finally did something on Wednesday that he has not done in his entire tenure here. And that is he finally, I think, unified the fan base. I think that was the moment that every KP defender dropped their weapons and now it's a ceasefire. There were still defenders after Arkansas State. There were still defenders after DePaul. There were still defenders after 4-28. and 28, Still defenders after 5-7 and 7 against the 315th or whatever ranked non-conference schedule. But it's different, man. When you play Notre Dame, and that is your most winnable game. Notre Dame had not won a road game since January 15th. And none of the road games since then had been within double digits. Mm. This is a bad team. Micah Shrewsbury, I think, is going to do good things there. But this team right now is not it. And, by the way, this is the first time ever in the history of the ACC that you had a matchup between two teams with uh, the head coaches that their sons played on the team. Yeah, that's wild. There's a difference between those two sons, by the way. (laughs) Just a little bit, yeah. uh, Micah Shrewsbury's
2: kid's. Pretty good. One of them was raining threes on us all night. And, and the other was The That's only right. one that enjoyed
1: that game was Nick Valvano because the Nepotism Baby. That
2: <laughs> 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 was the Valvano game. Nepo oh, <laughs> Babies wow. left and right. But oh, here's the thing. Like, uh, the first thing that sticks out, and I'll get to your point about yeah. unifying the fan base because that was uh, something my good friend uh, Jeff Leitze yeah. had a little like 12-minute video about that night. And I think uh, Ty Spalding and a few others made that that comment. And But the thing about Notre Dame... Is they're having the type of season, like, it's it's miserable, right? But the type of season that we were hoping, and it's, it sucks to say that, about a team that's like 10 or 11 win team this year for more Notre Dame. expecting. But more expecting out of Kenny Payne last year. Yes. Like, the minimum expectations where it's like, look, this team isn't good. Mm-hmm. The talent isn't there yet. They're very young. They are. I mean, their top two leading scorers are freshmen. Yep. That team is littered with, with freshmen and sophomores. Uh, they lost pretty much all of their returning talent to the transfer portal, you Mm -hmm. know. But they defend. Yes. You know, they have something. They have principles that you can see shining through. You You know know what they want to do. Right. Even though they're not good enough. Yeah. And they're one of the worst teams in the ACC. They have a three-game winning streak going right now against bad teams, but they have a three-game winning streak going right now because this team gets it. Yeah, And they're at least – Buying into what Micah Shrewsbury is selling them, exactly. You know, and you can see they have a they have a top thirty defense. You know, and it's not just based on pace; that's part of it, but defensive efficiency is there, Um, and they're just an offensively challenged team. But of course, that doesn't matter when you play us.
1: No, I mean they've had some moments too. They
2: dominated Virginia earlier, in which the which doesn't season. make any sense. Which by makes either. no sense. It still doesn't yeah. because neither of them play with pace. Like no. we know what Virginia does. Virginia. Neither of them are sense, trying to. Well. And they they scored eighty two points against Virginia. I know. It's,
0: yeah, it's insanity.
2: Virginia or uh, Notre Dame yeah. averages sixty two a game. Yeah, they put up eighty two against Virginia, Zach. Yes, they did. It doesn't make any sense at all. But no. that's what I'm saying. Like that's what. You want it out of year one, Kenny Payne.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if they would, if last year, uh, Kenny Payne and Louisville had been exactly like this, because everybody knew that the talent was not there last year. And Kenny likes to bring that up a lot. But what? (laughs) But if they would have just done that last year, where Notre Dame is 10 and 16, they're not good, but they have an identity. You know what they want to do. You can see in the future what's going to make that team successful. It's just right now they don't have the guys to do it. You can see the offense they want to run. You can see the defense they want to run. Micah Shrewsbury is going to get this turned around. He won a tournament game at Penn State last year. Penn State does not value basketball at all. And this team, they're getting better as the year goes along. As you mentioned, they're on a three-game winning streak. They're going to go into next year with some momentum. Now, it's not going to be a world of momentum because their record's not great and they're probably going to play on the Day of Shame, the ACC tournament. But if Louisville had done that last year, KP would not be under the scorching hot seat that he's on right now. I don't think even hot seat's the right terminology anymore. The seat's gone. It's It's over. It's over. But that's what I'm saying about Wednesday. That was the moment that if you're a – there probably were 10 people left defending Kenny Payne. And I think those ten people now have given it up. You cannot lose by twenty-two points at home to a nine-win team in the game that I think Louisville was either favored or it was about a pick'em in Vegas. Uh, it was I two can. and
2: a half points. Two and a half. Uh, at some point, that, I don't know what it settled at. Yeah. But that afternoon, it was at two and a half points. Like it, it's. I feel like there's there's still a handful of people that you'll never get off the you know the the island. Yeah. That. Oh, This was unfair. Kenny didn't get a fair shake, or whatever. All of the reasonable people are done, but they been still done a long time. There's still Japanese soldiers in the tunnels. You know yeah. The, yeah. that are <laughs> right. going to be there for for you know twelve years after World War Two is over. That's right. The, you know that that are just going to be there. Great analogy, great analogy. <laughs> no one's. <laughs> I mean, they're going to
1: be there after after Kenny's long gone. No one was ever Switzerland. No one was ever neutral on this. <laughs> right. Whole thing. And for continuing the World War Two analogy. <laughs> but no, I I think most reasonable people after frankly the Kentucky game they were ready to move yeah. on at that time because you win four games last year and the non-conference schedule was easy was perfectly set up for yeah. them to win nine or ten games and carry some momentum into the ACC regular season nobody was saying that this team was going to be an NCAA tournament team this year but we wanted to see marked improvement and even though they won five non-conference games couple of them were one point against UMBC, overtime against New Mexico State when they were down eight with two minutes to go, and if New Mexico State hits a free throw, they win the game.
2: Bellerman, Coppin Bellarm, State, Bellarm Pepperdine. I mean, game. like those five games. Yes. Come on. you know Those are
1: gimme games, and games that, for the longest time, Louisville did not lose home games in November, and they've now lost like 10 home games in November the last two or three years or so. It's become a common practice, and... Kentucky's experiencing some of the same symptoms, though not nearly to the same level. And that is that we're talking about Louisville and Kentucky having historical things happen to them in the wrong direction. We're talking about Louisville doing things that they have never done or things they haven't done since the 1930s. And uh, Kentucky had something similar with the losing streak at Rupp. But it just, it's every week, it seems to be a new low for this Louisville team. And I think, I don't know if this was the ultimate. Lowest of lows because I don't know how you can correlate anymore between what's the difference between losing to DePaul and losing this game, except that DePaul's coach got fired and Micah Shrewsbury's not getting fired because we they, lost
2: this one at home and
1: th- this was a home game and it wasn't a competitive game, never led at any point. So I don't know if this is the ultimate low, but this is the one that Mark Ennis brought this up on Tuesday. He said, regardless of what happens Wednesday, this needed to be KP's last game, and I fully supported that. I'm on board with that because you would have had a week in between games before the game next week against Duke. Give the fans, give the players an opportunity to play and cheer with a weight off their shoulders. Just have a five-on-five kind of deal. Just worry about basketball, and we don't have to worry about all the drama that's going to happen, because Kenny Payne can be as optimistic as he wants. He knows.
2: He has to know, doesn't he? It's over. You would think, man, but he just doesn't doesn't present himself as having that level of self-awareness right now. He just doesn't, and I don't know if he's just... Playing out the string and 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 he's committed to the bit, you know. At this point, and like, what would you do? Or would you go out there and just say, "I know we're done"? You know, you yeah. know, you're not going to say no. That you're as a not going to give the... up like that. But... but like some things that I hear make me think that he really, <laughs> he really might think he's not on the hot seat. Like maybe he really just doesn't pay attention, you and, know, to anything. And, yeah. and the fact that he shows such a lack of self awareness in the in the post game presser is kind of. Yeah kind of feeds that image to me you yeah. know it doesn't it doesn't do anything to debunk it but at this point man like i i I've, i thought it would be prudent like i thought it should have happened after the kentucky game it didn't this seems like the most logical time to do it with a week off but if they didn't do it yesterday i don't think they're going to do it no it's um happened. so at this point you know we're we're in it until we lose in the first round of the ac tournament and uh i'm resigned to that in fact. Uh, I wish that like the the advantages you get out of getting it done is is it changes the conversation immediately. Exactly, we don't have to talk about Kenny Payne anymore. No,
1: we can start talking about just the
2: talking about what's going on, like coaching change and what's going on in the court. Who we really want to keep on this team. Exactly, you know who we need to invest in IL and who we need to 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 recruit to keep around. Who's going to be a good backbone, and and just talk about whatever. And it, I, I feel like, personally, it would be a weight off the shoulders of the players. But I know that there was a lot of them that were in his corner sure. in December. I don't know if they're still in his corner I haven't heard in as February. many people say that, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it would be natural for it to erode the support over time when you just keep getting your ass kicked mm-hmm. over and over again. So, uh, at this point, it's academic. We know it's happening. Uh, it's just a matter of when and... and if somebody else is going to fire their coach before we do which would be amazing.
1: It's it's stopping us from having productive conversations about what this program needs to do next year and beyond because all the talk is about still about KP and it's about saying I'm going to give my team I need to find out what their headspace is after the game yesterday like your their headspace isn't very good Kenny. If they're as competitive as you think they are their headspace isn't very good and then you're saying things like we're clearly better than we were last year. You were one of the worst Power 5 teams in the history of college basketball last year. You went 4-28. and I would hope you're better. They are better, technically, but you go from nothing to almost nothing. That's not something yeah. to be taking much pride in is saying that we're a better team. I would hope that you're better because you can't possibly be any worse. As- But we need to be having conversations about, as you said, who's staying on the team next year? What players are we keeping? Tyler Johnson, Brandon huntley Hatfield. Who are the guys that are going to be here next year for the turnaround? Who's going to be the guys that help the head coach just come in and have – as seamless a transition as possible who's going to be the coach that goes out to the TBT and becomes involved in the community in a way that Kenny never really allowed himself to do that we need to be having more conversations about the future of the program rather than just playing out the string what's going to happen over the next four or five games because there's just a malaise over this program right now and as soon as that malaise goes away we can start looking forward to next year we can start thinking about who's the head coach I want to talk about you know is it Nate Oates? Is it Scott Drew? Is it uh, Chris, Greg McDermott? I don't said Doug McDermott, but he's playing for the Pacers. I always get those two mixed up. But who's going to be the guy next year? Because I
0: wouldn't would mind Doug McDermott at this point.
1: No, Dougie Buckets, I, I think he could still play. Uh, he, he's still playing for the Pacers. He might be able to come over here and be an assistant.
2: Look, he, was, uh, he, he put in some good work with the Spurs for, he sure for the last couple of years before they traded him. Yes, but, he did. Look, th- this turns into – like the the downside of not getting rid of him is it turns into a two month autopsy. You know, like nobody's moving on. It's mm-hmm. it's we just keep talking about what's wrong and what went wrong. We have the same conversations over and over again instead of just moving on.
1: Yeah, and I hate to keep bringing it back to Ohio State, but no, you so- don't. No, I don't. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, you don't. I don't. But. In this case, I think it's apt. They fired Chris Holtman last week. They go out and beat Purdue. That's a record crowd, at least for this year. 18,000 people showed up. And for that day, it was just about basketball. It was about your five versus Purdue's five. There was an energy in the crowd. There was an energy that they played with. And... I just wonder if they, if Louisville would have done that earlier in the year, would we have seen similar results? And at least with Ohio State now, nobody's talking about Chris Holtman and you know this program being under dark times. Now it's about okay, who are they going to get? Is it going to be Nate Oates? Is it going to be somebody else? Chris
2: Mack? Sean, yeah, I'm sure everybody here would love that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that would be hilarious. I, I mean, th- I, it, and who knows? Maybe he would. Succeed at a place like Ohio State? I don't know. I really think he would because he's, he's not a non-fit the mayor. here. Like yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't good here. It wasn't a great situation for him. Uh, I think even if the administrative side of it hadn't gone the way it had the the year before, you know, the the year before yeah. his dismissal or not his dismissal, their mutual parting of ways. Right. I still think eventually his tendencies and his. Really, the, the, his non-embracing of, of of certain parts of this job would have caught up to him. Like yeah. he, he wasn't a long-term guy here. The pressure was already getting to him. It just, I think Ohio, Ohio State's a big job.
1: Yes, but, but you have
2: other things that are that are more important in Columbus, and it's not near. You don't have to be the. The mayor, the governor, the Gladhander—you don't have to be the face of anything. No, Ryan Day already because you've got other things. stuff going. Yeah, I Ohio would, State football will never not be the show. I was, no. was going to
0: say they're already trying to run Ryan Day out of the, out of town, so Correct. he better be, It'll he be, be he better fine be with more
2: this year. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you, yeah, you, yeah, if Harbaugh leaves, man, which he did, and you get. Sharon Moore, and yeah. you lose to Sharon Moore two years in a row. It's over.
1: You're done. Oh, if Brian Day doesn't beat Michigan this year, he's done and he knows it. That's why they spent the money they did to go get Caleb Downs and Quinshawn Junkins and all those guys. They're really loading up for this yeah. year. This is as desperate of an Ohio State team, program wise, that I've seen in a very long time as far as we're going all in for one season. But that's, that's we're going off. Yeah,
2: uh, but a also, and I you know, I, I mean. I know we'll, we'll get into this and I don't want to get too far off topic, sure. but the 12 team playoff does afford you some sort of Mechanism to save your season if you lose to Michigan. That's right. Well, you know, like it is a different situation than it has been.
1: They almost ever. did it. They almost did it two years ago because if they, if you know, Ruggles makes a field goal and they yeah. beat Georgia, they win the national title because they able to stop TCU just like Georgia did. Do you right. think
0: we'll see a two-loss team in this new playoff format? Or? Oh yeah, it's absolutely.
1: Twelve teams. You're going to see three-loss teams. Yeah, you in might. The it, you might see a
2: three-loss team right. in year one. I think
0: honestly. you will. Maybe. There's
1: going to be a nine and three SEC team or a nine and three Big oh, Ten yeah, well, team well, that plays SEC. a murderous yeah. schedule that's going to make it. Absolutely, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's
2: uh why they want 14 in.
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i hate that idea it's
2: awful it's Te- a terrible idea text or nothing again if
1: you fire him now and save on buyout everyone knows this job will be open and, and i get that principle i get the whole you want to save a couple million dollars but I, for the long-term benefit of the program i just think it would have been better served to do it now or would have been better served to do it after kentucky but do it now give these guys an opportunity do it now do it now just give these guys a chance to play their last five games without having to worry about their coach getting fired or have this funeral like atmosphere at the Yum Center because I've I've been here for about a little over a year now. There has never been any buzz downtown about Louisville basketball, and that's it's something that awful. I, I it's, it's something I feel like I've missed out on, and I I want this program to be good because I want to go to games with optimism. I want to talk to people that are nervous about a game in February and March that these games should matter. And I asked people the other day what's your standard for the Louisville basketball program because you can't tell me in one breath that you're a Kenny Payne defender and then the next breath tell me that you are expecting Final Fours and National Championships because it's just not going to happen. And for the most part the standard from the Texers that I talked to was 20 to 25 wins make the tournament every year Get to the Sweet 16 every two to three years. Have a team that can go to the Final Four four to five years and then maybe once a decade win a national championship because it's harder in college basketball to have a certain standard than any other sport because of the randomness that is the NCAA tournament. But this is a program that the standard is the standard as far as make the tournament every year, take your
2: chances from there. You have to – look, it's – Like you said, it's hard to baseline say things like win a national title every X amount of years, but you need to be in the conversation every year, Mm -hmm. and you need to be a legitimate national title contender, meaning like a top ten to fifteen team, and in the the Ken Palm top twenty five, you know efficiencies in both categories, relatively often, you know at least once every three to four years, be a serious national title contender, if not more often, you know, and, and, and be a team that can make a run, can legitimately make a run most years. Not saying you have to make the Final Four all the time. No. Not saying you have to make the Elite Eight. You know, you'd like to make the Sweet 16 pretty often. But have a team that you can realistically go to your bracket yes. and drop in the Elite Eight to the Final Four almost – like. It, without laughing almost every year have that conversation and not saying you have to do it i'm yeah. saying have a team that can possibly do that like we're not we're not unrealistic like a lot of people try to put this well you had unrealistic expectations for Kenny Payne you're one nobody i talked to had unrealistic expectations one or two people were like you know i can really see if this goes well yes i can really see us maybe we can make the second weekend that was the most unrealistic of expectations most people are saying look if, if he shows improvement if he shows us what like the, the the basic outline of what we can expect in the future if he can get them to play defense uh, and we can see the the effort and the uh, the system in year one, I, I understand it's going to be a bad year, and most people thought anywhere between ten to sixteen wins was where most people were. Agree with this team, yes. And if this team won ten or eleven games, it would still be one of the worst teams in Louisville history. But if it showed something like Notre Dame showing this year, I'm not saying it's a model to uh, you know uh, sure. uh, to uh, try to be, but like that's that would have been something for for fans to. To, to grab onto you know and, and and to expect something in year two. I just remember last year all year as somebody who's watched Louisville basketball for almost my entire life, you know to just just not being able to identify. One single thing I could grab onto and say they do this well, or I can see Kenny on the court here.
1: No identity. That's the biggest thing Nothing whatsoever. Like, Notre Dame has an identity. They just don't have the players to execute said identity right now, but you know what they want to be. You you know when you're coaching, like, when you watch North Carolina play or you watch Kentucky play, you know what they want to do. It's just whether they can actually do it. I don't know what Louisville wants to do. And and that was
2: never a problem No For, for decades we're, no. We were We were, we were Denny knew. Crum And Derek Patino And we knew exactly What they were trying to do And they didn't hide it from us Nope Instead of playing Some kind of shell game You know in the post games And just telling us Well we gotta get better here We gotta be more solid And like well how are you gonna do that Remember when Pitino We just be gotta mean, be more solid Zach Yes We gotta, be, we gotta we got to fight We gotta be more solid we gotta, we gotta fight And it's like dude They're fighting Yeah I'm not sure you are, but they're fighting. They just don't know what they're supposed to do.
1: Yeah, remember when Patino would get mad about beating ranked opponents by 15 points, and he would talk about you know after the game that we need to do this. This was an embarrassment as far as our performance. It didn't live up to our standards. Like you would
2: never hear anything like that under standards, KPF man. Or win. The standards the standards are not a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, but we, they will be. Yeah, shortly, and they're just because the current, And this is not piling on Kenny, but just. Because the current guy is trying to constantly adjust my expectations, doesn't mean I have to give in to that. No, you know the fans, the boosters, the money, the administration are all going to have those standards, and no one man is going to change what this program, uh, you know, uh, wants to be or should be. Yeah, and that's 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 what we're that's why there's a coaching change and coming in the next know, couple of weeks.
1: I know we got to get to break here. We'll continue this conversation, but unfortunately to. Uh, To quote or to paraphrase the great Garth Brooks, uh, they they didn't miss the pain, but they still miss the dance. More (laughs) Garth Brooks talk next.
0: Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. You are listening to Robo and Co here on ESPN 680 1057. Now nah. Here's Louie
1: Ah, uh, Cantrell & Co. this week, ESPN 680-1057. Louis will be back next week. But tonight we've got Louisville baseball in action as they take on the Bonnies of St. Bonaventure. That's at 6 o'clock over in 93.9 The Ville. Cards really need a win. They've had a uh, slow start to the season. We'll see if they can get back on track. No kidding. <laughs> Later tonight. And then uh, we want to thank George and the Baranos team for bringing by lunch to the ESPN Louisville studio, celebrating 46 years in Louisville. Check out their new location on 3rd & Market uh, downtown. Louisville and you know they will have actually have uh, Strebel and Godby I believe Godby's joining Strebel tonight they will be there doing the round table from three to six here on these very airwaves ESPN 680 1057 once again thank you Bear Nose for dropping by lunch yeah it's that good Bear Nose pizza all right so we can continue the Louisville conversation of course we'll get into Kentucky they got a big game coming up against Alabama tomorrow yeah. Kentucky needs a bounce back after a tough loss against LSU on Wednesday night but I guess we can kind of put a bow on what we were talking about as far as I think the fan base is smart enough that for the most part, they haven't really lowered the standard of this program, even though there there are some outliers. There are some fans that their standards seem to be a little bit different than what they used to be. But I think for the most part, we all understand that this just didn't work. I don't know. Uh, Let me ask you this. When was the moment that you first started to get nervous that this might not work? First started to get nervous? Yeah.
2: The Lenore, Lenore Ryan or Leon Ryan, whatever like they call it. I mean, like that was the first. Like, oh man, like I. This looks. I've never seen a collection of Division One basketball players look this bad on the court before. Yeah, and because I'm not used to this. You know, none of us were. And that first ten games, like that's what I tell people. Like, look, I wanted Kenny to work out. Yes, we all I, did. we all did. Like, nobody wants to do coaching search radio every two to three years. Like, that's not good for the program. It's not. You're obviously. It's. It doesn't signal that you're a successful program if you're firing your coach every two to three years. We right. want somebody here for 10, 20 years that's that's successful and, and and comfortable here. That's what we want. But man, those first 10 games, when one and nine, looked absolutely awful, losing to just the worst teams on our schedule.
1: Bellarmine. That that Bellarmine, immediately jumps out.
2: Yeah, we had three one-point one losses to, to begin the season. And then we go to... Uh, was it the, it was Maui and just get boat raced by the first power five teams we play. And it was just like, you know what, man, I, I can't see anything. And there's tweets that I had from, from then where I'm just like, man, I hope I'm wrong, but I just, this looks like an abject failure, you know? And and I try to stay positive as much as you can, but I'm realistic. I just don't, I'm not a liar on the radio. I'm an honest, honest radio host. So I, I, I would often just have the the disclaimer like look I, I I like Kenny and I want this to work. He's one of our own, man. Like we don't yeah. want to get this we don't want to have a toxic situation here, but there were warning signs almost immediately. This isn't and quite fun frankly, for any of us. It's yeah. not. No, and that's what people say, well, it's good for radio. So it's not. No, it's man. not it's not good for my health, you know, to to have to do the same radio over and over again. Exactly. And qu- quite frankly, like first warning signs, like if you want if you want warning signs, it's that especially in retrospect. There was he drug- he drug his feet hiring his staff, you know yeah. his, he didn't have his assistants in place till a month like fully until a month after he was the head coach. His support staff wasn't hired till the summer. you know all these things seem small and trivial at the time to some people, or they tried to to minimize it, but at the end of the day it's like man, you're dragging your feet in every aspect of this, and then you you know he acts like. Or the, the idea was out there that this roster was, like, foisted upon him. You know what I mean? And the truth is, even if they're on the roster already, you're still choosing to retain them. Yeah. You know? So did you really do your due diligence in evaluating every player and what they could do for your team? Did you really mine the depths of the transfer portal? We know you didn't. You know, you tried to get Malachi Smith, uh, Hunter, and, like, one other guy. You know, there was three or four people that we knew they were in on and they struck out on all four. Yeah. And we didn't hear about anybody else of the 2,000 other guys that were in the portal. And you see people like Jerome Tang who didn't get one top 50 transfer. But he brought in 10 guys from, you know, lower on the transfer rankings and actually did his research and found guys from Hofstra or wherever, Central Michigan or, you know, Ooey Pooey that can come in and help you immediately. But that takes a lot of time and research. He didn't really uh, feel the need to, or didn't really understand the the gravity of the transfer portal at that time, clearly, because he hasn't vocally uh, embraced it until weeks ago. Yeah. In, his, in year two. He did it know?
1: after the Kentucky game. That was when he said, oh, I'm going to use the transfer portal now. Like, he just figured out that the transfer portal existed. And right. didn't know the first year that he could actually use it. That was – that was as damning as anything that he said in a post-game press conference, which is saying a lot.
2: And not to and not to, to drill Rick Bozich, but like when he wrote that article, it was like basically he knew these guys weren't going to be a part of his plan going forward in the first offseason. Like, man, that's a terrible thing to say. You, like, yeah. If you really believe that, then get rid of them, man. Like, move on. At that point, if you th- don't think you can win games with them. Why are they there? Why are they there? You're not forced to retain them, you so, know. And then, yeah. and then year two, he had the similar weird idea about roster construction, yes. you know. And, and and but that was if you're talking about initial red flags, like he dragged his feet on everything in the first off season, didn't do anything to turn the roster over really. Brought in uh, a freshman class that entirely transferred after year one. Like it's just there were a lot of red flags. But on the court, like you try to try to say, right, you know, can he do things his way? Mm-hmm. But on the court, I mean, we had immediate. Questions like, "Oh, this, this, this might be awful."
1: I think there were some questions in the introductory press conference when he was basically telling people that you know they asked him to take the job that he didn't really want to take the job. That that should have been a red flag to begin with. And then, of course, the Leanne Rimes game. People lose exhibition games; that happens, but not to the level that they looked as inept as they did and then you start the season 1 and 9 and you just don't feel a competitive product it's one thing if you lose games but you feel a competitive product i think for instance a guy like Nate Oates, even if it's not immediately successful the way that Nate Oates coaches basketball the fact that they shoot 43s a game the fact that they're one of the most efficient offenses in the country it's aesthetically pleasing to watch there were a couple he pati- understands modern basketball yes like Rick Pitino's first couple Kentucky teams when he took over when yeah. they had the probation and almost got the death penalty They weren't very good in year one, but they played games in the hundreds. They were entertaining to watch. They could get people to buy into the product. Watching Louisville play is flat-out dull. Let's just call it for what it is. And then the other thing that really got me was after 4-28, after the Day of Shame ACC tournament game, to act insulted when the question was asked about his assistant coaches. And he's saying that I have the best assistants in the country. I'm not even thinking about firing any of them. Why would you ask such a question? Because you it, went 4 and 28. Because you went 4 and 28. Like, you, you can just say, I'll, I'm considering it, or I believe in my guys. You can say something along those lines. But to act all insulted and high and mighty because the media is doing their job and asking you why you went 4 and 28, the record shows that changes should be made. Are you considering doing that? And to act like it's a stupid question, that was. Probably I would have fired him after that so, I would have fired him after four and twenty eight and then after those comments that would have been it for me
2: he that's part of the whole like I think he resents anybody who questions how he does things you know like he I think he resents having to answer to people including the media and fans mm-hmm. you know and and um, but you went, You brought it back to the introductory press conference. I've told people this over and over again. Like if you're, for being honest, that is the first red flag because, especially in retrospect, because at the time you could look at it and say, maybe he's just being deferential to the Dolan family. Sure. You know where he's like, they really had to talk me into leaving the Knicks, just trying to be respectful. You can say that at the time because yeah. that's what you would think. Like, is you don't actually think that Kenny Payne at the time you wouldn't actually think that Kenny Payne had to be. Convinced to take the job at his alma mater that all of his friends are pushing for him to get. You know, like you right. would expect that that was something he wanted. Of course. But in retrospect, you go, no, know, I really think they had to talk him out of leaving the NBA. I don't think this was, and I've talked over and over again the last two years about, I really don't think. That being a head coach in college was his goal for his no, career no nope. and he just kind of became the avatar for his friends that that felt slighted by the last administration and wanted there were look there are plenty of valid concerns about making sure you 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 legitimately interview and vet Minority candidates, but like he became an, an avatar for them in the in the ones that felt slighted from the eighties, like his 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 teammates and his the old guard sure. that felt slighted by Patino, you know, and, and he he was the closest thing to a head coaching candidate that they had in their ranks at that mm-hmm. point, and he sort of became the representative and and pushed for that, and I don't think it was his goal in his career. I really don't because he didn't he didn't take jobs that were building towards being a head coach. You know, in, in Division One period, but yeah. especially at Louisville, which is a job that you need to aspire to. Like, if this isn't your goal, then you don't need to have this job. No, this is
1: one of the six or seven plum jobs in college basketball, and this is a job that's only made for the elite of the elite coaches. And if you're not sure that you want to be the guy, then you're not the guy. It's that simple. Texter, Western Kentucky's 19700 first-year coach, coach Steve Lutz, totally revamped the roster, it can be done. I mean, Mark Man. Ennis likes to bring this up. South Florida, yes, they're dominating the AAC right now. They're in first place. They're 14-1 with a first-year head coach. And USF has no basketball history whatsoever, but they just beat Florida Atlantic the other day, to, who went to the Final Four last year. They've won 23-24 games. Jerome Tang, of course, what we saw last year, he got less time to recruit than Kenny Payne did. So... This whole first year crutch, it's not an acceptable thing. And look, as we've said, nobody thought Louisville was going to be very good last year. If they would have gone 15 and 15 or 15 and 16, depending on the number of games played, people wouldn't have been thrilled, but they would have said, okay, well, this was kind of a clunker year. We can build off of this. It happens. But you just can't be as historically bad as they were. And let's just say, let's throw last year out. Let's throw last year out. It didn't happen. So this is year one. <laughs> yeah, you can insert all the jokes you want about this being year one, year zero, whatever. So this is year one. Let's say they're still where they're at. Eight wins, five and seven against the one of the worst non-conference schedules in the country. This year alone would be enough to be considered a fireable offense. This would be unacceptable nowadays. If year one never happened, that this is still an unacceptable season for a program like Louisville. And... The standard for this program should be at the very highest of levels because their history dictates that the standard should be at their very highest of levels. And I appreciate that the fans, for the most part, I know there's the vocal minority, but for the most part, the fans are still under the impression that the standard is the standard, and we're not going to lower our standards just because the last couple of years have been dumbed down for us. They they understand what this is supposed to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's it's... There's been red flags, especially in retrospect. There's been red flags from the beginning, and and beyond all that, I think they've been hands off. They've let him do this the way he wants to do it. They've let, like Mark Ennis likes to say, they've let Kenny Payne be Kenny Payne. Yes. So there's really no excuses, whether he thinks there are or not. There's no excuses for the results at this point. It's not. I want to pile on him. You know, he's a, he's he's everybody who knows him personally likes him. Yeah. uh And we all wanted it to work, but it's glaringly apparent at this point that it didn't and we need to move on to whomever is going to be the head coach next year and kind of get a clean slate for everybody i don't i can't even evaluate the coaching staff under kenny at this point you know because i think it's been a failure top down i don't yeah. really know like i look there's been things to pick apart with nolan smith and and he didn't do himself any favors you know with the uh, with, you know, Nike shoes and New Balance shoes and his, the Twitter activity last year. But at the end of the day, I don't know how hard he's working behind the scenes. I don't know how ham- hamstrung he's been by Kenny Payne. I don't know any of those things. No. He could use a hard reset wherever he goes next to.
1: That's kind of the reason I wanted them to fire KP after the Kentucky game and make somebody like Nolan Smith or Danny yeah. Mang the assist or the interim coach just to see how they run a program, to see how they would handle things. And that would be kind we of know like a, you know,
2: We know things. how Danny Manning Yeah, we do know how Danny Manning
1: – That's what – Nolan Smith. That would have been the guy. Yeah. I would have let him finish finish. finish the season make it almost like a job audition he was never going to get the head coaching job but maybe he gets to be a head coach somewhere else and we get to see what Nolan Smith can do because right now do we frankly know how good of an assistant Nolan Smith really is I don't think we do we
2: don't because he was I mean he was the the number two at Duke uh, for years you know and and who knows like he was considered a rising star by most people sure Um, and at this point I, I if you depending on who you believe or who you listen to in December, there wasn't a lot of people on that staff that were chopping at the bit to be the interim, because they were inheriting just an awful situation. Now that was that's unsubstantiated. I don't know for sure, but that was one of the rumors going around. And I don't, I mean, it doesn't seem far fetched to me that people would just kind of be balking at, at taking that job.
1: Kate uh, Texter, it's taken a long time, but I've turned my sights on Josh. Allowing this to continue is inexcusable. Josh Hurd deserves a lot of credit for Jeff Brown. But I think his tenure in many ways is going to be defined by who he hires next as the basketball coach. Well, it will be.
2: But I think I, you don't want to glaze over everything he's done. I mean, no. uh, Jeff Walls wasn't happy with how his negotiations were going with Vince Tyree. And, um, you know, he, he Josh Hurd stepped in and got that deal done. And most likely with provisions that when Jeff Walls is done with coaching, he can have a job in In the athletic department, you know, uh, afterwards, and be a part of this going forward. I mean, that's what you want. You want lifers. Um, He got Jeff Brom, and a lot of people just want to write that off as a gimme, but he got it done. Yeah. Uh, That first hire, he was the interim when Kenny Payne was hired, and there were other voices in the room. Uh, This will be a defining hire for him, absolutely. Fair or not. Yeah. This is what will define as tenure, is whether this basketball hire goes well.
1: I know we've got to get to break in just a minute, but I will say this about Josh Hurd. The basketball program is the one program that right now is not really thriving. Football is thriving. Women's basketball is thriving. Volleyball is thriving. Baseball, eh. We don't know
2: about Ta- baseball we don't know yet.
1: But every major athletic program at Louisville, with the exception of the basketball program, is doing good things right now. So that's a reflection on the basketball program, but also it shows that Josh Hurd knows what he's doing. He usually gets the right people in place, but he's got to do it for basketball because fair or not, Basketball is the driving thing down here, just like Alabama. They don't care if your baseball team's good, or they don't care if your basketball yeah. team's good. Well, the gamblers care if the baseball team's good. Just that's it. right. There you go. You gotta
2: clarify. There you go. But, but at the end of the day, like you could say, football. everything's doing well, but basketball. But that's the biggest. It's the biggest but thing. Yes. That you could throw out there. It's, that's right. It's yeah. a massive butt, right? <laughs> there just you mark go. that. Put that for the mixtape.
1: <laughs> Late mixtape adi- edition on a Friday. How about
0: that? More uh, more mixtape talk next. Tired of jumping from job to job. listening to Rebeau & Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, nah, here's Louis Rabot
1: Ah, Cantrell & Co., ESPN 680-1057. We got you covered tomorrow on Saturday. We've got Louisville baseball against St. Bonaventure. We'll see what they do tonight. But regardless, they'll play again tomorrow. 12.45 pregame coverage starts over on 93.9 The Ville. Bellarmine basketball will be in action on these airwaves against North Alabama. 3.45 pregame coverage starting on ESPN 680-1057. As a reminder, we're getting you through the week coming up next year. We got the V show from 12 to 3, of course, with the Balvanos, as we all know. Uh, your your guys, you said the nepotism show, but, you know, Nikki V. Nepo Baby himself, Val. Nepo Baby show. Nepo Baby show. How about that? But uh, all kidding aside, Nick, you do a great job. And then uh, 3 to 6, of course. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I'm joking. Biscuit said it, not me. And I'm joking. Come on. <laughs> But then you got uh, Give me that That's
2: we, right Give There we that.
1: go We got the round table With Round Daddy From 3 to 6 They'll be at the Baranos on the uh, Third End Market Later on today So make sure you Stay tuned here Local programming Every day on these Airwaves from 7 a.m. To 6 p.m. On ESPN 680 105.7 uh, Let's go ahead And get into The Kentucky game Tomorrow you know, Zach
2: talk- I have something To tell you Before we get into oh, that no. I just want to let Everybody know Being a um, Being a Catholic You know During Lent Baranos Fridays Are tough for me I uh, can't relate. Really. I just want everybody to know that. I know it's a we'll, struggle because we'll, we'll they bring in delicious meat pizzas, That's and it. I I'm not a big fan of cheese pizza. I just don't do it. No matter who, like I'm sure Nose is delicious. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just, I just don't dig on cheese pizza very often. You know, so I I stare at these these meaty delights in the back, and I just. Uh, <laughs> You know, I might be lapsed <laughs> in a lot of ways, but I I I try to stay true to the the no meat on Fridays during uh, Lent. You know, it was, it's a difficult time, buddy.
1: we'll get you through it.
2: It is. So I got to go out in search of a fish sandwich during uh, lunch between now and the drive. Oh, there's
1: some fish fries around here, aren't there?
2: There are, but not there's only a couple that serve lunch. Yeah. Most of the 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 Catholic fish fries are are a dinner like they start at 4 or 5. Yeah. You're not into the fillet o fish? Nah. Eh. But there's some good, like, I can go get some shrimp, get some scramps somewhere, you know. Proceed. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everybody to know my struggle. Oh, no, no.
1: I, I think the struggle, it, the more people you tell, the the more people can help, right? Yeah, that's right. We're I just all need everybody get you to bear
2: my, bear, bear my cross with me. I don't <laughs> want to do this alone. Oh, oh, no, the fat kid can't eat meat for 24 hours. Oh, <laughs> the humanity. Yeah.
1: Uh, Kentucky basketball. They they don't really have any fat kids on their team, I don't think. No, they're they're all in pretty good <coughs> shape. Right, <laughs> they had one last year, Oscar Sheba. Uh, but they oh, <laughs> poor Oscar, great rebounder. Uh, they're they're playing Alabama Saturday, and you know, hopefully for Kentucky's sake, it's a little more competitive than the football game was this year. But they actually think they have a chance to win this game, unlike the football game. So, uh. But Alabama comes into this game maybe the best team in the SEC, as we've talked about. They're 10-2 and two in the conference. They lead the SEC right now. One of the most efficient offenses in the country. Nate Oates is everybody's favorite coaching candidate right now, for good reason, because he mm-hmm. has taken this Alabama program. A couple of Sweet 16s last year, they were the number one overall seed. In the NCAA tournament, they lost here against San Diego State in that Sweet 16. Kind of maybe the most surprising game of that tournament. But this Alabama team... I mean, they're going to shoot 43s a game. They're going to get to the free throw line. Big win on uh, Wednesday night against Florida. They had to come back from down 10 to win that game, ultimately in overtime. And I'll tell you what, their guard play, Mark Sears, when he goes to his left, he's an All-American. When he goes to his right, he's an All-SEC guard. He is going to be just a matchup nightmare for a Kentucky team that has really struggled to contain guards. And, yeah, he's a great shooter. He's great getting to the basket. And it seems like every game there's always a random guard that goes off against Kentucky. Well, he is not a random guard. No. He's maybe the best guard in the SEC. Oh. So this is a, a matchup that if you're a Kentucky fan, every time Mark Sears has the ball, you're just kind of in the fetal position because of what he can do.
2: It's probably between Sears and maybe Dalton Connect is the, the most explosive offensive players in the in the SEC and maybe a few others in that conversation. He didn't even do too, that much
1: against Kentucky Connect.
2: and He did he think, he had 16. I think he's, he's had like, what, six or seven 30-point games yeah. this year for Tennessee, just as far as like the ability to go off like that. and uh, I... I The thing is, Kentucky and Alabama are not dissimilar teams when you Mm -hmm. look at their profiles, right? They're both amongst the most efficient offensive teams in the country. Alabama's the most efficient offensive team in the country, but Kentucky's top ten. And they're both very similar with their defensive efficiency. You know, these aren't, in general, teams that can stop. You know the opponent when they're like, this is I mean take the over on Saturday. Oh, this is going to be for the a love game of the God 80s take the 90s, over. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and I'm interested to see what it looks like with two teams that are basically similar and trying to do the same thing. Although and Kentucky can shoot the three better this year than they've done in the past, mm-hmm. uh, but man, I just I'm such a fan of what Nate Oates does with with Alabama. The one thing, and not to bring it all the way back to Louisville, but the one thing that the reservation with him is. The defensive efficiency rating, right yeah. year in and year out, uh, but you can really—he has the one style of play that can maybe neutralize that with the amount of threes they take. You know, it's threes are at the rim, like that's what that's what they do. That's that's analytics. That's modern basketball. Um, I just don't. I can't. I watch a lot of Kentucky. Yeah. You know, obviously we're in the market. You know, even being a big Louisville guy, we watch a lot of Kentucky because they're on and, and they're relevant. Uh, and I like to know. What the people up the street are doing, you know. Yeah. I, I like to be able to talk about them intelligently. They're not happy either. All, they're all not. The,
1: there's a lot of consternation around Louisville fans with Kenny Payne. There's this not the same consternation around Calipari, but it's at a different level where the talent with this team we know what it is as far well, as well.
2: They can't stealing. get out of the first weekend.
1: No, that, I mean not can't. in
2: five years, which is it's wild, Kentucky, it's crazy, it's insane, and this is setting up for another team as as talented as they are. They fit the profile of a team that can get knocked off in the first or second round. Not first, but like, you know, first weekend or sweet 16, oh, like they it's lose nice th- in the first round. Last year they were a 6 seed and they're sure. on tra- track to do
1: that again this year. They could easily lose to an 11 yeah, or absolutely. they could do what they did in 2014 where they were an 8 seed and they're, they got to the title game.
2: They're on pace to be that they fit the profile of a team that can get knocked off in the first yes, or do. second, you know, first or second round. I just can't get a, a finger on what like I think I know what Kentucky is at this point, but then they 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 can still come out of nowhere and give you the Auburn effort, yes. where they were they were good on both ends of the court uh, and were much the better team that night. Uh, with Auburn coming off, like looking like they were the best team in the SEC for a couple of weeks there, and just absolutely destroying an upstart South Carolina Beat team them by forty, beaten by forty, the biggest uh, victory of a ranked team over a ranked team, I think. Uh, I, yes, in, in AP poll history, that's right. Um, it's it, I. I don't know what you do to slow down Bama. Like, it's going to be a shootout, I feel like, however way you slice it.
1: So, I guess if you're a Kentucky fan, here's a way that I would look at it. Uh, their defense ranking, uh, their adjusted defensive efficiency, they ranked 93rd, mm-hmm. which isn't good. But since February 6th, they're 29th. You look at their last three games. They held Ole Miss to 63. They held Auburn to 59. Yeah. And they held LSU to 75. Those are games that you're telling me that if Kentucky holds teams under 80 points, I feel pretty confident they're going to win because this is as efficient an offense as there is in the country, maybe with the exception of Alabama. But their last three games, they've only scored 75, 70, and 74 points. So their defensive struggles have been much talked about. Their offensive struggles have not been all that talked about. Their last three games, they haven't been all that great. And with the exception of Reeves and Dillingham, Nobody's really been all that consistent for them. Uh, Reed Shepard, the last two games, single-digit scoring, which has not really happened all season long. And you're going to need that against an Alabama team that is first in adjusted offensive efficiency. I don't think Kentucky's going to win this game holding Alabama in the 60s or 70s. This is going to be a game that is going to be in the 80s, maybe the low 90s. I think this game has track meet written all over it. Like the Gonzaga game, it was 89-85. I could easily see that score coming into play in this game. Alabama is a better team and a better
2: offense. Much than better. Yeah.
1: But this is still a chance for Kentucky to make a bit of a statement. And look, I said last week, could they go two and one against the three game stretch that is Auburn, LSU, and Alabama? I thought they'd lose Auburn and beat LSU. It ended up being flip flop. This is a game that if they are able to win this, that's still it's a one in one week, but it's still a pretty solid week. It's a win over a very good team, an Alabama team that I think has a chance to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And if they lose this game, they're 18-9, and nine, Kentucky is. They're 8-6 and six in the SEC. And Calipari, we just saw him yesterday or, uh, after the game on Wednesday. Hey, He had a three-minute press conference. He's already annoyed with this team. He's annoyed with the situation. It's only going to continue to exasperate if they continue to lose games because he knows how talented this roster is. And right now, he, I think the weight of the world is on his shoulders to get it done with this team because this is the perfect quintessential Calipari team if he could have drawn it up and right now they're not winning games Yeah, that's so that's the thing
2: at this point with the recruiting class they they brought in with, with Reeves and, and Trey Mitchell uh, uh, veteran leadership you know and the, the, they didn't have a weakness on their roster coming into the season right? It's not a question of talent. No. It's not a question of talent. It's a question of getting his teams to play defense which was never an issue for the first you know 12 13 14 years he was at kentucky it wasn't or 12 years he was at kentucky the last couple of seasons has been bad
1: yeah really up until about 2019 which is the last time they made the second weekend yeah it's been yeah so it's been five years since they've even been there which at kentucky five years might as well be 50 years of not even getting to the sweet i realized once
2: i started getting going i was like 12 years 13 i was like it's it's been 14 years since he was Yeah, went he's Kentucky. been a, which is
1: crazy uh, to think about because yeah, it he is. said at the time that Kentucky was a 10-year job, not a lifetime job the way that it was for Adolph Rupp.
2: But yeah, and he's been there for 14 years. 14 I don't I don't know how you I don't know how you get he's been uh, there It's twice. clear, but that's it's funny though because yeah, he was right. It was a 10-year job for him. He's been there twice as long as Patino was, which is insane. And it's insane. Yeah. Uh, but he um, like the, the what I always cuz people always especially People that don't like him. There's a lot of them in the Louisville fan base, which, I mean, I'm of course. not a big fan. But the criticism has always been, well, he just rolls the ball out, you know, and they, they play. I said, no, I know. My, my pushback to that was always not to be in a place where I'm defending Cal Perry all the time. But I said, look, he always gets them to buy in defensively. Always. Yep. He's always done that. In the last couple of years, it just hasn't been that way. No. And we all know the profile for teams that, that go to Final Fours and, and win national championships. Generally speaking... Generally speaking, they're top 25 in defensive and offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Uh, there are, there are exe- you know, exceptions, especially to make the Final Four. Yeah, but like to win Miami last yeah, year. But to win national championships, yeah. you generally have to be top 25 in, in offense and defense. Yep. And Kentucky is top 10 in offense, top 100 in defense. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, depending on where you look, they're 78th, 90th, whatever you want to yeah. say. But um, that's what's missing. Like You can't say it's a talent issue they checked every box. They go too deep at almost every position. You know, it's it's not a talent issue. They've got guards that could start for every team in the country. They've got wings that could start for most teams in the country. You know, it's it's... It's not a question. I mean, anybody would kill for that starting five. No, and they have a guy in Antonio Reeves who
1: nobody saw taking the jump that he did this year. Could be a first-team All-American kind of guy. The freshman class has been a little disappointing. Wagner's had his moments. Bradshaw's done nothing. Big Z had his moment against Georgia. Really hasn't done much. So Wagner and
2: Bradshaw are the ones that – Justin Edwards is I think Justin Edwards. I think Wagner's had his moments this year. Yes, he has. He's been been SEC Player of the Week – and they're owing 3 times. without him. And, and when he's not there, it makes a difference. Yep. you know. But Edwards is the one where you – him and Bradshaw are the ones that have been the most disappointing of that of that class. Um, I don't – you know, Dillingham and Shepard have mostly been really good. They've been great. And and I think Wagner's been mostly good. You know, in yes. most Kentucky it's, – it's funny. It's a debate in, amongst Kentucky fans whether he's disappointing or not. Mm-hmm. I would say no. I would say no. Uh, Rabot, but obviously, I'm not a <laughs> Kentucky fan.
1: Rabo and Co. ESPN 681057. Fun first hour. We'll get you to hour number two. The last hour of the week. How about that? We'll get it to you next.